0: Well, we finally made it to the final chapter in One Corinthians. Hope you've found the trip through Corinthians helpful this year. Uh, I've been greatly helped by having to work through it. During the week, you probably heard the news, uh, that Steve Jobs died. Steve Jobs was one of the co-founders of Apple Computers. It's a company that he started in the garage of his parents and at the time of his death, Apple Computers was listed as the most valuable company in the world. And Steve Jobs' personal wealth is estimated at about $8 billion, That's with a B, billion dollars. Jobs uh, died of pancreatic cancer uh, and he spoke in public several times about his mortality. Here's what he said on one occasion. Remembering that I'll be dead soon is the most important tool I've ever encountered to help me make the big decisions in life. Because almost everything, all external expectations, all pride, all fear of embarrassment or failure, these things just fall away in the face of death, leaving only what is truly important. Now, I have no idea where Steve Jobs uh, stood with God, Jesus. At one stage, the guy was a practising Buddhist, so I'm not particularly confident that he was a Christian. But for our purposes this morning, even though perhaps Jobs never meant those words to be interpreted in a Christian context, they're, they're not a bad reflection on life. Remembering that you'll be dead soon is an important tool for making the big choices in life. In other words, just being mindful of the shortness of our lives, keeping this present life in perspective against that bigger backdrop of life and death and all eternity, that's a perspective that should actually be shaping how we think and what we do and the choices that we make this week. God effectively told us that last week in the final verse of chapter 15. Look back with me at the the last verse of chapter 15. Verse 58. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Labour in the Lord is not in vain. In other words, doing things for Jesus is not a waste of time. Doing things for Jesus is a work worth doing. How come? Because it's a work that has eternal consequences. That's what last week was all about. In chapter 15, the Apostle Paul explained to us that as followers of Jesus, the best is yet to come for us. That after death, we will receive a new perfect body in a new perfect world uh, that is to come. And that eternal viewpoint, that big picture of things, that awareness that there is more to this life than simply this life, that's the perspective that should be constantly in our heads and shaping what it is that we do, helping us with those decisions and choices in life. Because you see, the delusions of this world are that this world is all that there is. Who's in government? how much money's in the bank, what the stock exchange is doing, what's on sale down at the shops, what's on telly tonight, who won the Bathurst race. They're the sort of things that all seem so immediate and so important. Uh, But in the end, in the eternal scheme of things, all that stuff is very short-lived. But the work of the Lord... Doing things that contribute towards the kingdom of God. Now there's a work worth doing because there's a work that's going to last into all eternity. And friends, it is exactly that thought that ties together this final chapter of 1 Corinthians. At first glance, this final chapter looks a bit like a random list of, you know, personal goodbyes and last minute reminders and, but there's more here than meets the eye. And the linking idea that weaves its way through these verses is the value of doing work of the Lord. For starters, the chapter revolves around people who are actively doing the work of the Lord, people like Timothy, verse 10. If Timothy comes, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he is with you, for he is carrying on the work of the Lord, just as I am. There's also people like Stephanus, verse 15. You know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. I urge you, brothers, to submit to such as these, and to everyone who joins in the work and labours at it. And there's people like Paul himself, verse 7. I do not want to come to you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work has opened to me and there are many who oppose me. Now, do you notice the repetition of references about people doing the work, people carrying on the work of the Lord? It's all flowing directly out of the last verse of chapter 15 because our Bibles sadly um, put this dirty great big chapter break between them and it makes you think that there's a big change of topic, but there's not. It's all seamlessly connected. As having stated last week that labour in the Lord is not in vain because of the eternal perspective of things, Paul now goes on to list out people who are doing work of the Lord. Because Paul probably wants to just motivate the Corinthian church to do the same. And so he's parading past the people who are doing the work of the Lord and standing firm in the gospel and he's saying, "Hey, be like those guys, eh? Be like Timothy. Be like that guy who is naturally very timid. Verse 10 sounds like he's actually quite nervous about going back to Corinth because there's some hard cases in this church. But he's taking a big gulp and he's on his way. Be like like that. Be prepared to do even the hard things, the things you're not confident in because work of the Lord is not in vain. Be like people like Stephanas, who we're told labours for Jesus. That word labours in verse 16, it conjures up images of just hard physical work, tiring work, training work, the sort of work that you come home at the end of the day and you just collapse in the chair because you've given it your all. That's Stephanus. That's the sort of effort he's putting into the kingdom of God. Be like Paul himself, who despite saying in verse 8 that he's being opposed by so many people, he has nevertheless braced himself to stay on in Ephesus. He's prepared to press on under difficult circumstances because he can see that there's effective work happening there for Jesus. Because here are people who understand that the work of the Lord is not in vain. Here is Here are people being listed before us who have that big eternal perspective in mind. And so, irrespective of how awkward it might be for them, or difficult or embarrassing it might be for them here on earth, they understand that when someone responds to the gospel, all heaven rejoices. They understand that when someone grows just a little bit stronger in their faith, God Himself is filled with joy. And so Paul is saying, hey, be like that too. As you head out into your week, have that point of view, that perspective on life. In the words of verse 13, stand firm in the faith, be people of courage, be strong, do everything in love. Indeed, this morning's passage it doesn't just simply list out people doing work of the Lord. In so doing, it also gives us some examples of the sort of activities that can contribute to the work of the Lord. And what we get to see is that it's a whole range of things. There's people coming and going and doing lots of different types of things. For example, there's the collection to Jerusalem, verse 2. On the first day of the week, each one of you should put aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Paul wants the Corinthians to thoughtfully put aside money to help support other Christians who are in need. Jerusalem especially, as Paul was writing this letter, was in a time of famine. Times were tough, tough, and Paul urged those Christians outside Jerusalem to dig deep to help out their brothers and sisters in Christ. Now maybe that's a work of the Lord you could do. If you haven't already done it, why not put aside a sum of money on the first day of each week, in keeping with your income, so as to adopt a couple of missionaries of your own. Send the money direct. Don't just do it as a church family. Own it personally. Support ministries throughout Australia on university campuses or, or church planning exercises. Money spent on those things is wisely spent because the work of the Lord is not in vain. The Apostle Paul's work in the Lord was to spread the news about Jesus by straight out telling people about him. Now maybe that's something you could do. Why not train yourself in a course like Christianity explained and then invite your friends or your neighbours over to do the course with you? If that makes you nervous, ask someone else to run the course. You just supply the house and the non-Christian friends. Telling people about Jesus is not a labour in vain. Stephanus' work, we're told in verse 15, was that he devoted himself to the service of the saints. In particular, Paul talks about how Stephanus refreshed his spirit. Maybe that's a work you can do. The service of hospitality, the service of opening your home to newcomers at church, the service to having fellow Christians in your home and giving them encouragement and relaxation. Perhaps the service of dropping in a meal, the service of going out to the movies with a few others, playing sport with someone else and using those opportunities to specifically encourage them in their faith. Maybe that's a work of the Lord you could do because I'm telling you it's a work worth doing. Now, friends, there's a heap of different things we could be doing so as to labor in the Lord, isn't there? Using money wisely, telling others about Jesus, offering hospitality uh, so as to support brothers and sisters who might be doing it tough. They're just the ones mentioned in the passage. It's a tip of an iceberg. It's only limited by our imagination. As in this final chapter, Paul is parading past us people who are doing those sorts of things so as to basically give the implication, be like them. Because every time you do just a little thing to help someone be strengthened in the gospel, that is a work of the Lord that can have ramifications that might last forever, into all eternity. That's not a waste of time. And it's in this respect that this final chapter, which at first seems all a bit you know, specific and personal and not quite sure what it's got to do with us, it's actually a very fitting final chapter to the entire letter. For if there's one thing that has shone through over and over and over again throughout 1 Corinthians, it is the importance of the gospel. The importance of promoting the gospel and standing firm in the gospel. In the very first chapter, the Apostle Paul set it up where he explained that the gospel, that message that we thought about a couple of weeks ago, that, that Christ died for our sins and rose again on the third day, that is the message by which people are saved from hell. The message of the cross He said in chapter 1 is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are saved, it is the power of God. And every single thing that Paul has talked about in this letter has been directly related to the importance of the gospel, the importance of promoting it, the importance of standing firm in it, and helping others stand firm in it. Way back at the start of the letter, Paul stressed that it's the gospel that saves people, not ministry style. And so he urged the church to put aside petty rivalries and divisions and to be unified in the task of promoting the message of Jesus. He went on to talk about avoiding sin and to not fall away from that message about Jesus. He spoke about how he was willing to be all things to all men so as to win some. Uh, And he asked the Corinthians to be willing to put aside their own preferences and their own rights so as to serve each other and to help others stay loyal to Jesus. And throughout this last section of the letter that we've been looking at these past few weeks, from chapter 12 on, Paul has repeatedly pleaded with them to be using their gifts in love, doing whatever is necessary to strengthen the church so as to help others stick with Jesus. Because it's all been about the importance of the message of the gospel and helping each other stand firm. For friends, Christ has defeated death. A new creation is coming. And in a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, we will be changed. And suddenly every single thing that we have done to contribute to that great day, every single little thing that we have done so as to stand firm with the gospel and help others stand firm with the gospel, suddenly all those even little things will be seen to be the most important things we have done in this life. Please remember that. When it's growth group again this week as they start up and you, do, and you honestly don't feel like going because it's been a long day and you just want to veg out in front of the telly, remind yourself that labour in the Lord is not in vain. When you're trying to have a family devotion and the kids don't seem to be cooperating or listening and you're wondering why you even bother, remember that the labour in the Lord is not in vain. Those of you who might go home this morning feeling pretty tired because of all the people you've tried to catch up with and you've helped at morning tea and maybe you're out there at the back at this very moment helping with the kids and you just get home really tired, remember that the labour in the Lord is not in vain. When you decide to take a risk and invite a friend to hear about Jesus and then suddenly you're getting all nervous about it and you're having second thoughts, remember that labour in the Lord is not in vain. When you come along and support a church family event, not because you particularly like that event, but you want to come and encourage the others who are there, remember that the labour in the Lord is not in vain. When you see your Christian friends making foolish decisions and so you do the difficult thing and you raise the topic with them, even though it leaves your stomach tied up in knots, remember that the labour of the Lord is not in vain. And when you go without something, because you have used your money to give away to some other brother and sister in need, or to other gospel work. Remember that labour in the Lord is not in vain. And be excited by that. Because as followers of Jesus Christ, we have been entrusted with the wonderful job of doing stuff that will last forever. And it's a job that we can do anywhere, at any age, with any person, in any life situation. And it's a job full of potential because who knows what God might do even this week? Who knows what he might do that that, that could have eternal consequences? Many of you here, I suspect, have heard of John Chapman. Uh, perhaps you've heard him speak at conventions or you've read one of John Chapman's books. Uh, John's in his 80s now and he's regarded by many people as one of Australia's greatest evangelists. There are literally thousands of people all around the world who, uh, who, whose faith have been helped by John. Certainly in my formative years as a Christian, listening to John preach has not only helped me in my faith, but even still his books Helped me enormously in thinking about how to preach and how best to explain the Bible. Humanly speaking, John Chapman attributes much of his own conversion to a boy named Dick Tisher. Dick Tisher sat next to John Chapman for a year at Sutherland Intermediate High School. In year eight, Dick became converted and he started badgering John Chapman as to why he wasn't a Christian. John Chapman reckons that Dick Tisha evangelised him by doing just about everything wrong. Just about everything Dick Tisha did, John himself would subsequently advise people not to do in sharing their faith. And yet in God's good timing, John Chapman became a Christian. And so God used the stumbling efforts of a relatively unknown year eight boy to save perhaps Australia's greatest evangelist. And as a result, thousands of others have been helped in their faith. Friends, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to do the work of the Lord. So open your eyes to that. Tomorrow's John Chapman might be sitting next to you at school or at work or in your scripture class or in a January kids club or perhaps they're growing up under your very roof. Who knows what God will do? What we do know is that labour in the Lord is not in vain. So this week, let's do something that will last forever. I'll pray. Father, we want to thank you for saving us and for giving us the life of adventure in which we're able to contribute to things that will indeed last for all eternity. Uh, Father, thank you for this mighty letter of 1 Corinthians and for the way that you have repeatedly uh, shown us the importance of the message that Christ died for our sins and rose on the third day. Father, help us to labour so that we might stand firm in that message ourselves, so that as many people as possible might hear and respond to that message, so that we might be good at encouraging each other to stay loyal to Jesus and the gospel. And thank you for reminding us that that sort of labour is not in vain. Amen.